0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of After School with Dylan Mack. Today, we interview Ricky Yu, tech-loving connoisseur who has worked as a software engineer at IBM and worked his way all the way up to director of product marketing at Meta, or previously known as Facebook. Ricky talks about how the boom of tech affected him and how he fell in love with it, how Facebook was received as he was one of the few Ivy students who got first dibs, how he built up his skills to be a leader, and everything in between. If you'd like to support me further, please go to my Instagram, website, or Patreon
1: and support me there. Thank you and enjoy.
0: Ricky, thank you so much again for being on the show today.
1: Yeah, uh, really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, really uh, great to see all the amazing work that you've done to pull all this together and all the different episodes. Um, And yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. So just to start us off, you know, my parents hate that I
0: say it like this because they think it's too casual. But like, just like, give me the, the jazz, you know, like, what have you like, at least, Have been doing, you know, like kind of like, who are you?
1: Yeah, yeah, happy to do that. Um, And so, just by way of intro, so so I've been in, in, I guess, what you would say, big tech. I've built my career in big tech, and it's funny because they used to call. There's different acronyms and definitions of what that looks like. Um, But I most recently was at Facebook, now known as Meta. I also had some time at uh, IBM. Um, the big tech, I would define it as, right now, it, I think in the past it has been referred to as FANG. So Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, now it's, they call it, I think there's different names, and now it's like MAMA, because you kind of bring Meta in, you bring Microsoft in, it's Alphabet. So, Microsoft wasn't defined, included in the original? It was you not included in the original, yeah. Really? This is just how, it's just fun acronyms <laughs> that have been coined. I think like <laughs> Jim Kramer, one of those people coined that term, but it's just meant to say Giant tech companies that are dominating on the S and P five hundred. So these are very very large scale companies. Um, but I spend most of my time in that space. Um, I've also worked in the startup space as well. But I, w- I would say like my area, you know, I, I studied computer science and engineering management in college. So that's sort of that's sort of my skill set. Um, but at Meta, uh, I was there for almost thirteen years. I was one of the first fifty people in the New York office uh, built and led multiple teams across sales and product and operations, hired hundreds of people, worked in dozens of countries. I've actually worked in, I think the fact, the stat that I I looked at was I think i worked at Facebook or meta offices in over 15 different countries. So, but all around. Um, my most recent role was uh, as a director of product marketing. And product marketing, essentially, we work closely with engineers and product managers to help define a product and then bring it to life so what we call go to market so how to bring a build a product and bring it to our customers so but as i mentioned i spent a ton of time in the tech space was at ibm uh was my first official job out of college uh so at the time huge huge tech company but really has pivoted and changed and, and probably isn't really much of a tech company anymore it's more of a services and business company. I'll tell
0: you now many kids like we know Apple,
1: we know Microsoft Meta. Yeah. We do not know what IBM is or so no, like exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But um but yeah I've, you know, after being in that space for almost 20 years I'm actually on a hiatus right now I, as of a couple of months ago I'm taking a break. Um and I might not work in tech anymore I'm kind of exploring my next options and my next uh, steps wow. and I might go into nonprofit. I'm kind of also exploring potentially uh, role as an adjunct professor and do some teaching so it's just a little bit of taking a little bit of time to work some of that out um, And figure out what's next so amazing, but before we go to all
0: that. I have this signature question I don't know if you heard it where I ask it on this sh- on the, the show every time and it's like You know, it's, it's it's actually it's a Tuesday right now So let's just say you're me on a Tuesday random night during school, you know, and you go home what are you doing you jump into the homework immediately are you you know
1: like what some hobbies you had or you know yeah um as a sophomore man like that that was over 20 years I, I, it's that, that's a tough one. like i was kind of a straight edge kid i i if there was hobbies it was mostly video games and things like that but but really like i was grinding i was grinding as early as middle school in high school probably six i'm probably commuting home right now i I uh, went to high school in the Bronx. I went to, for those of you familiar in the New York area, I went to Bronx Science. You actually, you, you, you're probably familiar with, with it. Yeah, amazing school. Amazing. But I commuted from Queens and we're talking like, Oof. like deep Queens, like near the airport, like the, the other airport, JFK Queens. So I had about an hour and a half train ride. And, you know, if you have after school activities, I was, you know, I did sports and, you know, I was, so I was probably doing something after school. And then on on the train, probably still on the train right now coming home. Um, but I think a big part of that was, uh, I, I think th- that community experience on the four train, on the A train um, for that much. I, w- I was probably doing homework on the train. I was probably studying. I was probably sleeping on the <laughs> train. Get- I was trying to get as much done then so that the minute I came home, I could just you know, grab some dinner, play some video games, unwind, and get ready for the next day.
0: So, like, were you, like, a procrastinator? Or, were like, you, like, you really did your work
1: fast, so then you could, like, really relax after, like... Totally, totally the, the 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 latter, where, like, I just wanted to get it done. Um, I, I, I think it's the... I, I don't know if you, you find this, too, but sometimes it's, like, when you're really busy, you become really productive. If you're too busy, then you spiral out of control, and, and you can't do anything, but... You know, I've always enjoyed being in this state of hyper activity where, like, every minute is pretty productive. So I, I try to get it all done. And I was actually very good at sleeping on the subway too. I could sleep standing up on the subway, holding oh on that pole. <laughs> I got really good at that. Um, but yeah, it was I, I was grinding, and and I think as a part of that experience, something that I take with me even today that I try to push on my kids is just this sense of like building grit and and, and the sense of um, uh, really Hustle. pushing and, and hustling, right? And when when there's a time to do that, um, and then you know, everything else seemed kind of easy after you've yeah. been grinding for so long. So I should you didn't have to
0: commute as much when you got to college. So
1: no, so I know easier. that was that was crazy for me. it Blew my mind because in high school I was waking about five in the morning sometimes, maybe four oh, in the morning. We had the early morning practices at six o'clock in the morning, and the the subways ran local, so I'd be on the subway at four in the morning. So in college. 10 o'clock class, wake up at
0: 9 o'clock or 9 that's, that's oh nice. God. I'm jealous yeah. even now. Yeah, yeah. But um, would you say that, like, you, like, so it seems like you were a studious kid, but also seems like you were, like, sporty, which is, like, I feel like, at least my parents say to me, like, you know, I, I guess, like, no one ever normally would see those, like, mixing to, I, you know what I mean? Like, it's either you were, yeah. like, you know, on the techie video game with your
1: friends or you are oh, like, a, but, like, no. I guess you you were a hybrid, you would say, of? I was definitely a hybrid. I've always been someone who uh yeah, you know, master very few things but really jack of all trades kind of so I was not the best at sports, you know. I'm, you know I, was, I was I wasn't um it wasn't like my primary thing, but I I would always enjoyed team activities. I can learn so much um by just being in team sports and I've applied a lot of that even to my professional life of just working with people Facing challenges, um, interpersonal conflict, things like that—that that I thought was really valuable. And at the time, I didn't. At the time, I didn't wasn't conscious of all that. It was just fun. I, I found it's like it naturally fun. building. Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. Think, the thing is, you see, I think what I enjoyed is seeing parallels of all those things. So I, I could see. So I played ultimate frisbee. I played volleyball. Those are the two major teams that I was a part of, um, where I could see stuff that i was learning in class whether it's math or english and i can see how that applies in in sports in terms of like the mathematics around some of that stuff or i could see some of the team dynamics and i, I would apply that in um in the school setting or even in after school clubs or with my friends so yeah, i kind of started to see how school work and, and extracurriculars and personal relationships and how all those things all start to connect and try to and that's maybe that's where I got some scale from it. I tr- I try to make sure I learn a little bit from everything and apply everything and connect it all.
0: I mean, yeah. Would do, do you think you're like? Would you say your parents pressured you into like grinding and studying hard, or was it really all just natural motivation and persistence?
1: You think from you? It, it's hard to say. When I was young, I used to say it was my parents, but now as I'm getting older, I don't know. It, 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 and as I have kids of my own and just see how. They are. I think it's one part of environment and it, a part of environment and part of um, maybe just my my inner tendency. I mean, my parents are immigrants. I'm the only child. I'm the first generation in my family to go to high school, let yeah, alone go to.
0: You have like a backstory to it.
1: Yeah, t- definitely. And um, they didn't really know a lot about the s- the school systems. They didn't really know about a lot about career paths. It's sort of that typical stereotypical Asian, well, doctor, lawyer, engineer, but even they didn't really, (laughs) they didn't really put that pressure on me either. Right. They never really explicitly said that. I think they implicitly put pressure in that. I just saw how hard they worked, right. My mom worked multiple jobs while, you know, having to take care of me. My dad was gone all the time because he was running restaurants, um, in, in the city. And so like they, they grinded way harder than I did. So I think, I think they modeled, um, Hard work and, and that ethic, but I think when it comes to ambition and understanding um, how to think about a career and and building that and thinking about uh, being a lifelong learner and um, and even just so the selection of a profession, I think that's something that I had to develop and kind of figure out on my own. I think for them, the best they did the best that they they, they possibly could, which I, I'm really thankful for, which was just be able to provide for me and 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 give me the, the, just, just the necessary resources needed to go to college and do these things. And, you know, I had a car in college and things like that, like, like that, they really put a whole lot into, however, um, when it came to, okay, which colleges or what major or, or what profession or how to network or how to, how to lead people, how to, how to grow and in, 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 in climb the, the ladder professionally and how to build a career versus get a job, right? All those things, uh, yeah, it was something that I had to figure out on my own and, and through a lot of trial and error and mistakes. And uh, But ultimately, a lot of it was around. Uh, I, I learned a lot from mentors and, and, and role models that I've sort of found throughout my life. And um, and the other piece is just, you know, at the time, like there's no, the industry that I'm in, things change so rapidly that there's really no, there's nothing they, they could have really um, pressured me into other than, you know, study harder, work hard, right? I think a big part of what my yeah, just the standard. Yeah, so it's just like, hey, you you do your best, and I'll do my best, and we'll just kind of get through that yeah. So I think that that was the big the big part of it there. So the it wasn't about the what I was doing; it was more about the how. So whatever I did, um, whatever whatever pressure, whatever grind, like whatever you do, just grind and and work hard, and 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 also be smart about it, and and don't grind for the sake of grinding. Like grind for a purpose, right? What it actually is, you can fill in the blank of of what that career or what that, how that translates into an actual profession. I mean,
0: it seems like you were like almost thrown into like the, I guess, adult mature world at like a a younger age than like, I guess, an average person, which seemed to has helped, has
1: helped you in the long run. 100%. I mean, I, I think there's a term for it. I I was a, what they call a parentified child, um, in the (laughs) sense that I was in middle school, probably maybe even I want to say late elementary, but definitely middle school where, you know, my parents had very limited English capacity. So I was helping them understand Translate their them, yeah. statements or when the bank sends a letter, I had to read it and help them understand, Hey, is this do we have to take any action? So I was thrown into uh, a very, I guess, adult life very early and having to, um, I mean, they protected me from true consequences and, and having true pressure and, 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 um, hmm decision making from that. But I, I had to I had to learn what all this stuff was pretty early on. And there's a little bit of that pressure. And I think because of that um, unintentional pressure and responsibility, I think I knew inherently that, hey, like, don't wait. I, I can't waste my time in college. I can't waste my time. I knew how much it cost to go to college. We had some financial aid, but we were paying a ton of it. And I knew how much it, it took for them to do that. And I didn't waste a single second of it. Um, you know, I wouldn't say I was the best student in college, but I definitely didn't. I, I definitely don't. Uh, I didn't waste it. I, I, uh, I it didn't I, slack I didn't, off. Kind of took it seriously. I did have. I did have. You know, I did have senioritis, right? And senior in high school, I had some senioritis, and kind of <laughs> slacked off. And in college, once I once I got my job, you know, definitely took it much more easy. But um, I was pretty straight edge in, in that capacity.
0: Yeah, I mean. So it seems like you said your dad like was running some restaurants.
1: Yeah, yeah, he um, you... he he was sort of like what you would expect. Like he had a restaurant on the Upper East Side um, and one in Midtown, but essentially it's like a Chinese restaurant. It's kind of what you expect if you go on Seamless and order from a, a place. It's probably <laughs> one of those places, right? Um, they don't they don't know long. He doesn't own it anymore, but so he did the the Manhattan. Um, Chinese restaurant grind, which is, which is, which is tough business. It's a pretty tough business. And you never like, as a kid seeing that was like,
0: that's interesting to me or something like that. Or you're just like, Absolutely I want to do no, it, <laughs>
1: no, it, it. It was, you know, even when I showed interest, I think he was protective to, to not, there was no pressure of, Hey, you're going to take this over someday. Right. Well, one, it was just set up in a weird structure where, it was like a partnership structure. So he, he wasn't the full owner, but I even remember he, you know, we would do like Christmas parties and we would go uh, to the restaurant and, um, and I would just like, I would fall. I was, so, I was so excited. And, and I was just like, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to go and like go behind the bar and like mix drinks and, and actually, mix, actually mix drinks, but you know, pour like a, a soda or something. Yeah. Is yeah. very cautious of like limiting the time that I would, go to the restaurant. I think he, it was, maybe there's one part of it where like he knew there's a different path for me. Um, wanted to see, wanted to show and, and me what he was doing, but at the same time there was really no expectation that it's something that I would be part of or pull or, or into, but it was a tough business. This is this is the kind of stuff that you don't want your kids to get into that business. You do it because you, 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 that's the only option. I mean, yeah, so it seems
0: like he was more like, driving you away from it which speaking yeah. of what what drew you to to like tech i mean i as, as a as a kid now like i don't really know how it was perceived obviously at the yeah. time that you were doing it but was it seen as like some new like whoa like what like what yeah. is this like are you sure you want to yeah. go was it like that like you want to go into this or was it like hey this is this new hot like not hot but you know what i mean like yeah, up, yeah. Up, up on the up and up like
1: I think that it's sort of impossible to, to, to pre-plan some of these things, but there are certain sort of steps that I've taken that kind of put me on a path that helped me to be able to take some of these opportunities. Like technology in general, I knew, you know, you know, I know know a lot of folks here are, are in high school and thinking about like what classes to take, what major, like I just was better at, I just enjoyed math and science more than, um, some of the more like liberal arts types of uh courses. So I just was more naturally drew, drawn to that. Before moving to the states, my dad was a was an engineer. Actually, he was a, but not like the building things kind of engineer, but more like a running a major tanker ship kind of engineer, like an wow. engineer on a. He's a chief engineer on a, a large tanker ship that would. And I, I recently saw his passport, and it really just shows all the ports of entry all throughout the world that he is part. So I think like more technically inclined maybe that's sort of a little like bit, in your like,
0: blood kind of
1: yeah maybe yeah and and um and you know i had you know some cousins who who studied computer science and i was like oh what is this thing oh it looks interesting so i had some interest in and you know in my time when um i was in, in high school that's when you know people just started the internet just started happening so we had america online and people were, i was building websites and so there's definitely an early interest there however like the natural path there is, okay, computer science, what does that look like? And so I didn't really know what job I was going to actually get. And and it wasn't a profession per se. Um, I studied computer science, but I didn't necessarily think I was going to be a programmer, right? I didn't necessarily think I was just going to be coding and and, and um, being an engineer in that capacity. All right, I just wanted, I, I was drawn to the space. I was drawn to technology. Um, I was, you know, at the time when I was graduating, like Google just went public and, you know, Microsoft was already a giant behemoth. And that was, that was the company everyone was trying to get into. So, but I knew I was always interested in new consumer technology, right? Um, so it was definitely a space that I wanted to be plugged into. Um, funny thing is actually, I am, I am the Facebook generation. Um, and when I was a senior in college, that's when Facebook came out. Uh, so I think I was one of the first, and I went to an Ivy League school. So like, we were one of the first, like, ten schools to. to join. Oh yeah, because so, he
0: like he did it just to Ivy's, right, or something at right, the start. Right. So, so I was wow. I was
1: early an early Facebook user, uh, even though I wasn't big on it. Um,
0: so what I were was, the general reactions though at the time?
1: Was they like, was it like, oh, it's stupid, or like, it's cool, like? <laughs> well, so bear in mind back then uh, there before that there were there was MySpace there was. Um, other forms of social media, Zanga. Uh, there, there. Never heard of that. Yeah, there's, there's even sort of ethnic ones like Asian Avenue. So these are all social media sites where people were already trying to connect. So, so we were all very familiar with this, and people were already connecting on social media. But this, when, when Facebook came out, the the big thing was, you know, the big problem with some of those is that there was anonymity which now I think we're back to where it's like, okay, you have a username, but who are you? Like, how do you, if if you really just want to know everybody, like what's your actual name, like where do you actually go to school? So I think there was something interesting about, oh, this is like a full directory and anyone who is part of it, like you can find anyone and you can connect to anyone you want to. And there's something really exciting that you meet someone and you can connect with them. And it's not just exchanging phone numbers or emails. Like there was much more engagement. So, you know earlier we were it was it wasn't that new and that i think that's one thing you know for any of your listeners here who are thinking about entrepreneurship and are thinking about innovation like most things that it wasn't something like all,
0: amazing on like all, new
1: they're all incremental there's it's, it's, there's usually small things that come up first and one big step change of a new component sometimes if too big of a change too early it, it fails too but I think Facebook came at, at a time when we were already like primed and ready for it. Our generation was ready to connect. And so it was refreshing to see something that worked really well. Um, I never thought I'd work there. <laughs> You're probably like, okay, you know, cool. You know, right. I, I was like, great, I'm connected. Let me like, you know, go go intern at IBM. Um, so, so it wasn't until many, maybe five years later that I joined, which, you know, looking back, um, yeah, like that was just such a crazy time where, uh, so much was happening in all different areas of that sector.
0: I mean, I, that was definitely like, like, but you were saying like kind of like Microsoft was already big. The, the the stepping stones were already there for this massive. I mean, like now we're in this like, it's it's crazy. I mean, like the development, I, I can't even imagine like, because obviously I've grown up with it my whole life. My parents are like, oh my god, like, I was, like, using books, like, and now, like, I'm using, like, like, you know, my eyeballs, so, like, whatever, yeah, yeah. like, that new thing from Apple or whatever, like, Vision I, I, Pro uh, thing, like, that's, like, I don't I, know. The
1: old one, yeah, I know this is just the audio, but I have I have Meta's um Quest 2 behind me, but now we just came out with a, they just came out with a Quest 3, which is, like, a, a $400, $300 version, so. The, oh, I the heard, bit, it's,
0: like, oh. so, smaller.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't know how you're adjusting with it but the big thing now in this space is ai so yeah oh,
0: school-wise it's like i mean Everywhere. i'll tell you now, kids are loving it because we're like kids are like write me this boom 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 but now teachers yeah. are like god like look I, yeah. I i I as a kid was really into vr so i had this ah uh, yes yes yeah, the but anyways um what is i'm gonna ask you like like ibm like so so like how was that experience you know how did it kind of like Obviously you went to meta after, but yeah. like, how did that like kind of shape you and did it like, I'm assuming it did
1: get you ready for like maybe a bigger role that you had in, in the some future. Ways, so I, I think, you know, my, my experience is sort of divided into two parts. Um, I, I did something called a co-op, which is essentially a internship where you, instead of go to school for a semester, you you spend that semester working and you make up the, the coursework, um, the summer. Um, so I co-opt for them, which is essentially a fancy way of saying just a, a longer term intern. Um, and then when I graduated, I joined as a um full time but in a completely different space. So when I interned, that was more of a, a more of a traditional technical, you know, application engineer no type tastes, of role. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but when I the actual full time role I had was actually in consulting. So this is sort of um you know for folks who are familiar with like uh with like Accenture and deloitte and so it's like ibm has a huge services like business consulting type of arm so that's like my my, my other experience there but i would say the first experience was not a great one i i i think it was very much a it made me realize well one it, it, i i didn't have um i was alone i was like the only intern with a, a number of people who no one was my age. I was working in a, a lot deep end. Yeah. And there was there's nobody re- like the closest people my age were probably me like 10 years older. And I kinda hung out with them. Um, because I really, you know, as I mentioned, like sought out mentors, role models and and, and to learn, right? To learn from. So I didn't feel like I'd learned a lot of technical skills, but I did learn a lot about um about sort of myself and sort of sort of what I didn't want to pursue, which was just a straight up engineering coding type of a role. So you do not regret the experience. It did. It was a good experience. Yeah. It, was, it was like my first real job too. Right. I mean, I did, I, yeah, I worked other jobs uh, before, like I worked in Burger King, did like stuff like that, but like, this is my first like professional job. So absolutely. I mean, I had some other smaller like web development things, but this was my like first, like what I call like the first job that I would actually write on my resume kind of job. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, it, it helped me sometimes, and I think this is something that I, it, if I could tell myself, and I would tell you know you and others and, who are thinking about this as well, like sometimes a decision and experience to just tell you what you don't want to do is just as important as the one that validates what you do want. So I think this made me not want to be a software engineer, like someone who writes code. Um, And because what I wanted to do more of is understand the business context, understand what we were actually building, uh, who we speak to the people that we're actually building for. Um, And so I made more, more of a harder pivot in the opposite direction where not a technical role at all, but as a consultant, you are going to different companies and you're understanding okay well, what are the problems are they trying to solve and you are trying to help navigate them through that and that was so different because we I was I worked on everything from American Express uh Morgan Stanley financial companies to FEMA uh the 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 uh, emergency resistance department uh in DC because this is when Hurricane Katrina hit and so we were we were down there I, I was it, it, Uh, advising and well not really advising because i was just brand new but (laughs) helping them analyze like tractor trailer deployments and things like Mm -hmm. that for all the hurricane victims so completely different experience so i think i think throughout my time i've sort of done a lot of the swing the pendulum one way and then that doesn't work swing very hard the other way uh, because after spending a few years at a giant hundred thousand person company like ibm I joined a tiny 50-person company, a 50 startup. Um, and I think, you know, just to give the high level there, that such a great experience as well, because I went from being, uh, you know, so to speak, like a cog in the machine to being, oh, like a very big part of something very small. And and, yeah. and I, I learned so much. I, I I got the context. I understood I understood how the business worked. I, I, I understood how... What we needed to do to keep the lights on, I and I learned, there, there was so much responsibility thrown upon me, even though I was what like twenty three at the time. That you know, I was pitching clients, I was I was leading accounts, and uh, I was doing things that nobody would have entrusted me to do alone in a giant company with a huge team. So that was also an incredibly valuable experience as well.
0: Would you would you advise kids like my age to swing it like you said, or would you say that's more like a would you say, "Hey, do that"? Like, go. You know, you don't like this. Let's go all the way,
1: or would you say, I hundred percent, do"? I, I think, especially when you're when you're younger, like take risks. It, it, something interests you. Like, air on the side, just say yes. I, I, I don't think there was ever like, I, 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 would, I, I generally always said yes when something sounded interesting. Um, take risks because uh, they're going to be great experiences. The, the important part is you know, a little bit of a cliche saying, just like it's it's not only about the destination but the journey, but no matter this, even if it's the worst job ever, <laughs> if you hate it, there's going to be something you're going to get from that. And nothing you decide is permanent. So, I think I think I would say that to, You know, I speak a lot to college students who are nervous about getting their first job and things like that. And I think for them, I, sometimes it's the stress of finding anything, especially nowadays, right? Having something lined up, uh, and sometimes is at the wrong job, and they're, they're they're sort of worried about that. What's the perfect job? Because what people tend to do, especially when I speak to like engineers, um, cause I speak at our, at our engineering school a lot, like they engineers typically either go to the traditional, like technical engineering company, right. Or, um, big tech, right. Or they want to be bankers or they want to be consultants. Right. But I think that people, I think those are all great experiences. And I, I don't think there's a, there are, you know, you're kind of faced with many good options, right. There's no perfect one. So I, I would say, take those swings. Like, don't plan out your life. Don't plan. There's there's nothing I could have done to anticipate where I am today. Yeah, the the, in the industry today, especially in this space, no way I could have even imagined that. And there's no way I could have imagined my career. If I look back like the 20-year-old version of me, and would never look at the 40-year-old version of me today and just even expect any of this stuff to happen. And so you, you, you're making impossible decisions because information doesn't exist yet. And especially in this space, industries and technology don't exist yet. So, you know, you, uh, that's crazy to think about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you think, so like, and I wonder if some people like, cause I'm on board with you in the sense, like, obviously I, I feel like more connected to something where obviously my impact felt more like you're saying with these smaller, you know, what you do is more, I guess like the more responsibility, I I don't know. I was wondering if you think like that's something people should always strive for, or do you think like there are people that like to like sit back
1: and they like to just be a supporter, you know, in a hundred thousand. Yeah. Well, I would say like looking back, if I were to be much more intentional about the experience you get at a startup versus a large company, they're very different experiences and they're both very important. So I think a startup is you're going to get a lot more hands-on experience. So it's definitely good to get that early on. Um you're going to learn the ins and outs, you're going to get a lot more responsibility. You might even rise quicker, uh, and get promoted quicker and get more um uh, uh responsibilities and, and, and experiences that way. Um and you'll I, I think what for for, some, for me I just really like I just wanted to know what I was building, like what the end result was and I, I needed that. And I think that's what it gave me. However, you reach a, you reach a point where um in a startup where either you want to keep going and you're there's some kind of exit event and and you rinse and repeat so either you know either you sell the company and you you get a portion of that equity you make some money and then you move on and do another startup but i, I think there's also another route which is okay you reach a, a different scale so for example in the consulting why the, the people love consulting as a as a first job is you get to go in and, and you get to analyze companies and analyze at, at much greater scale like much bigger companies right how things are done you learn things like communication at at, at a, at a, at a corp- corporate at a corporate level um governance um and this is all important because and I'll, I'll i'll explain why in a little bit but you learn like you know when you grow up as a company like how you're supposed to operate and when i say communication i i, I mean um how to deliver a message to a hundred people or write an email or newsletter or do a video or a presentation to a thousand people, right. Um, Or present in front of thousands of people, or when I say governance, I I talk about what I mean is how to make decisions, how to drive some of that. So why that's important, at least in my career was that when, when I joined Facebook in 2010, we were about 5,000 people. And yeah, so how know, big
0: was it? It was. I'm mean, obviously not what it is today, but yeah, it was, it, it was 5,000 people. I was is that one considered the, like sh- like still like in the beginning? Like
1: what is that considered? Is that like that's, I guess like we were officially it was officially founded in 2004 2005, so it was about four or five years in. um hmm. To give you scale, right now Meta's at like 70,000 employees. So, um. <laughs> No. This is pre IPO. Um, and I think the you know, we were still operating like a startup. So I was very successful there because I was already very comfortable in a like, like very flexible Past experience, case, yeah, helped you creating the order out of chaos kind of thing. Um but then eventually we had to grow up when we IPO'd and you know, we doubled in size, tripled in size, 10 times, 20 times our size. Then we had to quickly switch to scrappy startup mode to okay, actually how do we, how do I lead a team with like 50 people in it? How do, you know, how do we, you know, work with clients that are pretty serious, uh, fortune 500 customers, right? You can't just show up as a startup. So, but I think having some of that corporate background prepared me for that.
0: So uh, both experiences really helped
1: on both. Wow. Yeah. Like the big so I, and I the small I made it a point that internally when you're in the early days, especially when I was on a team, like, staying up late and being scrappy and just, you know, having fun. And, and just like, th- like I had I had the startup mentality, but you know, when we went to a client, I brought my IBM with me. I brought my IBM consulting, dressed up, spoke to the client, like all that client facing experience. I brought that with me. Um, when I had to present to leadership, like I brought that with me. Right. And you're not going to show up as a startup, you know, sand in sandals <laughs> and, and a little vest. Like, like, yeah. 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 I, I brought, I brought the, I, I channel the the corporate IBM, and I think we needed that. And I, so I think it's important to have both of those skill sets and experiences, and tap into different things as you need to, in, depending on the setting. Yeah, and I actually have a question
0: about this. So like, well, one like, would you call yourself like a social person naturally, or even as a kid or whatever? And two, like, like maybe I'm wrong. Do you do you have to like, like what I, I guess like with a social person in like society be naturally better? at like, you know, consulting and communicating and like, I guess the business techie, you know what I mean? Like the more like professional world or do they yeah. not really
1: connect? No, I I absolutely think that there is a, a strong connection there. Um, the, one of the courses that I am a reg- back at Cornell where uh, I'm a re- regular um, uh, guest speaker at is actually focused on teaching communication skills, leadership skills um, to engineers. So, you know, engineering schools are typically... Heavily emphasizing the the hard skills, but then what are you? How do you work it? Like, what does project management look like? What does good product management look like, right? So, I think it is it's an absolutely necessary skill. It's it's like communication. If you're a human being, you need to know how to communicate. There's just no way to to get around it. Do you need to be able to go and give a TED talk? No, but there's still some level of of that to be able to survive. And and but I think when it comes to technical roles the difference between being good at your job and becoming great and, be- and becoming a leader and um, moving into the upper echelons of leadership, like it's, re- it's a lot of those, I guess what they would call like softer skills, like those leadership skills. That's really what the difference is. Like if you look at, I'll just use, you know, Mark Zuckerberg as just an easy example um, that when he was in college and when he was running Facebook for the first few years, He was focused on writing code and he was trying to build it technically. And he was, but over time, he focused more on the product vision. Eventually, he stopped writing code. Now, he's he was mostly focused on being a you know the ultimate consumer product PM. But now, at running a nearly you know, I don't even trillion dollar company, maybe it's uh, maybe 600 billion, but like a giant (laughs) good amount. His focus is on much uh, uh, different things as well. So I think part of that is to be able to grow and pivot, right. It, it, like to not be boxed into, oh, I'm a technical person and I don't like to be social, like, or I don't like to have, um, not a social convert like, I don't think you should limit yourself. And, and I would say for me, I'm a naturally social person. I probably lean more introverted than extroverted. Although I'm sort of like right in the middle. Uh, and I say, they say that if you're, if you're right in the middle, you, you're you introverted, but I'm pretty flexible and I can adapt. And I think that's sort of the big piece. Like, yeah, at, you know, when I was on the sales side, spending all day with the client and that night and you're chatting and you're doing dinners and drinks, like, yeah, like at the end of the night, I was so burned out from just all that action. Uh, I do need to recharge, but I think I made an intentional effort to develop all sides of that. So I spent a lot of time putting myself in client facing types of roles uh, to force me to, to, to get up there. I, I was not into public speaking at all, but I forced myself to do, I, I took classes and I did more and more talks and I became someone who, uh, you know, after you do it many times, it, you become, it becomes more natural to you. So it's just something that I knew I needed a minimum amount. I'm not the best speaker. Uh, I'll never, I likely will never do like a Ted talk or anything like that, but at least there's a minimum amount that I, I needed to Get past and 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 grind through to 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 get that level of skill set. Now, in terms of, um, and I don't know if this was the intent of the question around being social and and I don't know if you mean just networking and building interpersonal relationships. I think I think there's a part of this which is, um, you, in any work setting or any professional setting, you are spending so much time with your colleagues and the people around you, your customers or your stakeholders that um, you know, the, my, my happiest times and when I was thriving the most is when I viewed those people around me as like, I genuinely wanted to build relationships with them. I, like they were my friends. I felt like they, I think we, we enjoyed our time together and and it made, it made us much more productive. We were much more successful, but also it was just more, more fun. Um, going back to that IBM example, when I was an intern, like, like, I didn't feel like I had friends in the workplace. I didn't feel like I related to people in the workplace and then yeah when it when speaking to colleagues and customers that then it felt more like oh yeah, it's like a work function. it's a work networking yeah. event it then it felt more like so the the more it doesn't feel like more the more that it's natural, the better it actually
0: really- is yeah, yeah now which I have some friends right that obviously. I mean this is such like it's so prevalent in our lives like obviously kids want are interested in it but let's say like you know and i guess it's nice to hear this like there's there's some like i would say like you know more introverted kids and like they might look at someone like you now and be like that guy ricky he's just he's talented you know he's just he's got it but it seems like you too and like everyone else had to like somewhat yeah learn so like i guess it is you think a, a teachable skill like i
1: yeah, should 100% 100% thanks for the compliment cuz that's not <laughs> what anyone would say to me uh in high school <laughs> um <laughs> it, it is um again like this you know we live in a, in a world where there's we're so te- like we tend to just box people in and categorize people i'm this i'm that i'm a everything is 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 on a spectrum and there's no I'm introvert i'm extrovert there's actually you no know, you might be there's no singular definition i'm technically yeah so many different variations of that and you are so for anyone who's listening or anyone who's just sort of wrestling with this like when you think about it being if you're getting feedback or people are pushing you or you're with your parents or people are say hey you like you're a little too introverted like like don't don't look at you know the most extroverted person out there. Don't you know? Like, look at like a celebrity or a news anchor, or and say, "Oh, I need to be that." Right? That, you don't need to be that. Right? You need to be who you genuinely are. Uh, and but just it's a little bit of a muscle of hey, putting yourself outside of your comfort zone just a little bit. Right? If you're if you're someone who just doesn't who generally hesitates to raise their hand in class or feels uncomfortable emailing someone out of the that they don't really know and ask them to be on their podcast, do it, (laughs) (laughs) take that that step. Um, Don't take, don't take too large of a take, take a little bit of a step um, because I think that applies to everything in life, Uh, especially in a career setting. Um, We always, you know, when we talk about career development and when I, when I advise and and my, my, myself and people have told me and i told others where if you, if you are too comfortable you, you should consider making some kind of change. You should always be pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And so then that, that is what learning is. That's development, right? So if you want to work on your public speaking skills, right? Like be uncomfortable, push yourself out. That might, it might be, if you if if you you feel like it's the social uh, aspect of it and you, that's the thing that you want to improve on, then, then make small changes there. But that also might mean, Hey, you know, I've been at this job for, a very long time like that's me I, I was at meta for almost 13 years i was getting too comfortable and, and i needed sometimes you have to remove yourself and and and, and make a change it might it might mean a team that you're on or a project like, oh, this project is kind of like easy like i'm not gonna learn from this and maybe it's about doing a good killing it and, and doing an amazing job but then the next one you know stretching yourself um changes and growth are all about incremental improvements so anyone who's you know, uh, i'm sure uh this age like into physical fitness or when we talk about sports, like, you know, you, you don't, you don't take a, a brand new, someone's brand new at a sport and, you know, point out a professional athlete and say, you have to be like yeah, that. Michael Jordan. Yeah, Michael, like yeah. 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 No one's going to, um but you know, why, why is Jordan so good? Why, why is, you know, why are people like Kobe Bryant, why are they so good? It's, it's, they were hard workers. They grinded right, and all their lives. They were constantly getting these incremental improvements every day. Look, you got to want you, it. It's like it's... Yeah. And, and, Exercising, if you're if you're learning to run a marathon, right? You start, and uh, you know I run marathons, and so when you train, you don't just start and run a marathon, or that's too overwhelming. <laughs> you run a mile, right? And uh, and then maybe the next time you run a mile a little bit faster. Maybe the next time you run two miles. So it's all about being comfortable with incremental improvements that stack over time.
0: Yeah, and it seems like if you did that a lot, you'd also get comfortable almost being out of your comfort zone, if that makes sense, which is, like, exactly. a that, That's so. kind of
1: Being comfortable with being uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Um. Another thing, though, about being uncomfortable is, as, like, is, you know, you said you've had, like, bigger roles, like, director, leader, stuff like that, like, you ever have, like, problems where, like, or, like, the, like just, like, how, how have you, like, dealt with, like, the pressure, like, what if, like, you can't, like, figure out something, you know, or, like, you're having trouble, like, and, like, I know, like at least like me, sometimes like, I feel like I'd be like I would like, break down. i be like, oh god, like I don't know, like duck my head. But I don't know, like yeah. what advice you have for that? Like, how do you how do you keep yeah. your head high
1: and keep pushing? Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of just managing pressure and managing and um, still delivering despite that pressure, I think uh, it's important to to name name the beast and call that out. Right. And I think as you get older and have a better sense of your self-awareness, like you'll recognize it more versus letting it, like you see the emotion and then you call it out versus the motion taking over. So I think the first piece, when I was under high pressure situations or navigating through very, very challenging um, times and, you know, we just experienced this recently. Like we, 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 we um, I took on a new role right at the start of the pandemic. Uh, and so how do you navigate all that change? How do you navigate through all these things? I think the first piece is just calling that out. So, Hey everybody, we're going through a tough time now. It's high pressure. I feel the pressure too. Um, and, and it's okay to, to tell people that. And maybe it's, maybe you start by telling yourself that and recognizing it. And so if you recognize it within yourself, if I'm stressed out or under high pressure, like I, what are the things that I have done over time that I learned help me relieve that pressure. And then you get better and better at it. So for me, it might mean just going out for a walk, right? If if I'm like super stressed out, or if I'm about, if I'm about to, if I'm about to say something that I know I'm going to regret later or write an email that I'm going to regret later, I pause, I I catch myself, I remove myself from the situation, take a moment, things like that. But, um, but when it comes to, and that's like yourself, and that's something you're going to wrestle with uh, as an individual. And I'm sure uh, whatever uh, support, Structure and people in your life—that's uh, that, just life, right? Um, but when it comes to a managing that with a team uh, that that's depending on you, that's looking to you for guidance, I think one part of that is uh, another way to sort of say this is that it's okay to be human, right? At the start of the pandemic, we—it was okay for you know, the main thing that I was focused on was, hey, how are you doing? Like, how are you? How are you holding up? What's going on Everyone was in a different situation. We're all navigating this together. But I think the fact that showing them that, that this is real calling it, calling it out in the room uh, and not just jumping straight to the work um, helps and helps people feel safe, helps people feel understood. And cause I'm going through it too. Right. Um, there is a degree of, as a people manager or as a leader, um so especially with, with with an official position of authority you do have a responsibility to absorb that pressure mm. and um and and still kind of maintain this is where sports going back to where we we're talking about sports uh and um just any kind of any working on any kind of project team or any kind of team experience in the past really comes to light because um as a leader and i think everyone is a leader and everyone has the capability of being a leader. You don't need an official title or position. And oftentimes people that put are put into leadership positions and management positions is because they've already exhibited these qualities. But the idea that, hey, if you're feeling that pressure, um, it's not about you. Uh, what can we do to help the team? Maybe think about other people. And, and so in these settings, it's about um, what 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 should I say? To help encourage uplift someone who is struggling, or help improve sort of the the temperature of the room, or um, and so some of the, there is a bit of like absorbing some of that pressure. You have to be absorbing. ready to take that in as well as your own. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. That so. doesn't mean that you just take it in and 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 you just implode later on. It's about <laughs> how do you cope with that. You're taking care of yourself first. You know, you put the the air mask on yourself first before others, right? Um, but yeah, I'm being super general, but I'm happy to give examples and things like that as well. I, just, I know on the on the early days of the pandemic, that's something that we all struggled with. Uh, quickly jumped into going remote and jumping into even with on the personal side with the kids and putting them into remote schools and things like that.
0: Seems like like connecting before, like you said, like you're not just networking to network, but you're actually making friends. Seems like you have a community. It's it's easier to to kind of all take on each other's, you know
1: exactly it it is it is all of a sudden a a a human aspect it's not a a business transaction right (laughs) it's a um yeah it's 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 a general relationship now ricky for our for like our final
0: thing you know it's been great so far i know some people that do like you know tech is i mean at least teachers are like it's like you gotta go into it it's gonna be you know but I, i i'm gonna tell you like a lot of kids like I mean, like you know, you look to your left, you see AI. You look to your right, you see like Apple yeah. Vision Pro, and you're like, God, like I don't even, like know like how this happens. Like I don't know, like I'm not like I don't feel personally talented in like one whatever like it takes to do it or even leading. Like, like I don't know how would you comfort those kids and be like, you know, because they're like, oh my God, like it's so advanced now. Like I don't think
1: I'm I can catch up. You know, I don't know what would you. Yeah, I would say uh, start with interest because I think there's a. There's an intrigue of that if, if that's something that is really exciting to you. If that's something that you're really excited in, be just being a part of, right? It doesn't you don't have to worry about like what you actually in what capacity? Um, I don't don't be afraid of it. I mean, there's I, there's like there's three ways I would answer this. So to get into some specifics, um, you know, the 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 reality of you of like big tech is that there's so many different roles in it. Um, so we have lawyers, we have a legal team, right? You can be a lawyer and, and, and get into big tech, right? You can be an engineer, of course, a product manager, you can be on the business side. So the the, the beauty of big tech is that there's so many different roles. So it becomes, you're learning a skill, but Hey, what industry do you want to invest your time and expertise into? So that's, that's one way I would answer it. Like do what you love, uh, what you're good at, um, and, and then, if this is an industry that really excites you, like there's different ways into that. Um, The second way I would answer it is uh, there's so many different scales of that. That's the startup route where maybe, yeah, maybe like, so if you want to be an engineer, these large companies are some of the most competitive, they have some of the most competitive hiring practices, right? Um, But maybe in the startup scene, there might be more, um they they might cast a wider net because they have much have much more of a niche uh, of what they're looking for right um uh so there's there's different like depths in a company but also if you look broadly there's different sizes of company and industry so if if you do want to get plugged in things like that so i think so so don't be intimidated by um what is being produced there's so many different roles and different ways to plug in if this is that's why I start with like, is this something that you want to ask me be? Like a, some like yeah. a passion? Yeah. Yeah. And the third, the third thing I would just say generally that I'm hearing more about, I don't, you didn't explicitly ask this, but the but I, I got the sense of this, this um, little bit of a anxiety around the, the world changing so quickly and how do I mm. fit into it versus what my job is. Right. Um, and I think that is something that AI, for example, or, or actually both AI and VR. I don't know about don't, the kids in your school, but in our school district, even my son, who's a middle schooler, there's just such a comfort with this technology. I mean, they've grown up with VR. They've grown up. Now they're growing up with AI. They're using Chat GPT in schools. Like, I think this technology is going to be whatever technology is around is going that you have an advantage by being comfortable with it. Right? When my generation, I guess, the, I guess you'd call us the millennials, like social media, like we were like so comfortable with all that. And, and we brought that into the work. You will, you have that advantage too. And all this talk, like, I think, I think in the future, um, you know, when you are entering in, into the workplace in what, like five years from now, you like your, your jobs are probably not yet replaced, but you're going to be really good at learning how to prompt AIs, right? You're going to, if you're a um, naturally build it, fighter, you. yeah. Like you're you're going to be able to, as a writer, you're gonna be able to produce like 10x other writers because you're gonna be very good at leveraging these resources that are available uh, to prompt and edit. Uh, you can prompt stories and edit them, and you're gonna be so much faster at it and better. And maybe it'll give you more creative power. Because I do think that if you give humans the ability to do the things that only humans can do, okay, so what I mean by that is automating the stuff that is is kind of Uh, uh, it's kind of boring. Right. And stuff that's like kind of grindy, right? Like every, every job, right. There's kind of grindy type of work. Right. So if you can automate some of that, um, and so you can focus on the creativity produce the things that, that that a a machine cannot replace, like that, that is where true creativity comes into place. Like that, I I think that's ultimately a good thing for the world. Um, you know, I can write, you know, if the joke in my world was because um, we were starting to use this uh, as a joke, but like we used to do performance reviews, right? And we were using ChatGPT and you can generate a performance review, but like some of that work is um, on the one hand, like some of that work, if you could take time to automate some of that and actually just put in the effort into the 20% that matters the most, right? Um, that's kind of a silly example, but there's lots, there's countless other examples as well. So, so I don't think you should be afraid of it. I think you're at an advantage. Um, and the truth is, if you're already much more comfortable and much more connected than people already in the industry right now, because <laughs> are, 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 everyone's trying to figure out what that looks like. You're not the only ones, but you are all at a, an advantage.
0: That's great. Ricky, thank, thank you so much for this. This like really for me, it's been very helpful. And you know, obviously I share some of these I guess, thoughts that these kids have, obviously, as a kid myself. But yeah, thank yeah. you so much for sharing everything and your insight.
1: Yeah, no, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, appreciate the time. And this is awesome what you're doing. Keep at it. Um, my son's, I'm, I've definitely sent him the link, and he's going to be listening to some of your podcasts. So you'll have oh, some more.
0: You think he'll listen to his, yeah, his, his place, own dad? Yeah. You think he'll listen to his <laughs> own dad? <laughs> yeah. And the others and the others, yeah. So. But uh, thank you again, really, so much, so much.